Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. That's it. Well, we decided to, you know, start with a little bit of a moment of silence today <laughs> because like... For what? Because <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. And so, okay. you know, they say if you don't have anything nice to say, right? don't say, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Before we start, I, I need everyone to know that Josh and Jacob are wearing the exact <laughs> same outfit today. I walked into the office. My day is completely made. I, I'm in the best mood ever because they're both wearing a completely plain green sweatshirt same yep. shades uh different shade but close okay, okay. but close Fine. Very no similar. no i agree it's close um black athletic pants and nike shoes and they both had their little onyx coffee same coffee cup like it just it just it was I, amazing i actually was very happy about it as well <laughs> i live for this kind of stuff josh and i mold as we spend more time together as we've been on the staff now that we passed the year mark it just all of a sudden was like we're wearing the same stuff it's doing so the same good. stuff. I can't do anything without thinking of song lyrics for everything now. Good. <laughs> Jacob's um, working on his golf swing as a constantly. Mine. I'm always I'm always in the shop, just grinding. Wow. Yeah. I love that you are just conforming to one another. Yes. You know, I if I ever dress like anyone in the office, it's really unfortunately. It's usually garland. garland. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not not Which he is a thirty seven year old man. <laughs> it's in a 60 year old man's body <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> with tough. three kids. We have the same phone case too. I just, he only shops at Sam's club <sighs> and Kohl's. That's where he gets all of his clothes is Sam's <laughs> club and Kohl's and you match him. So that that's yeah. tough. That's, yeah. that's really tough. Well, believe it or not, we are past the halfway mark through with the, with the semester, which is kind of crazy. Uh, to believe I just had a child like yeah, you let's did. Go, less than two weeks ago. And so I think this is our first podcast, right? Yeah. Since, since JJ came into the world, Judah J. And so if that guy, if that guy's not like a pickleball star with a name like JJ. Judah J also sounds like a rapper. I'll Judah J. What about like a, like he's got some options. You yeah, could be, yeah. you could be like a really trendy celebrity pastor mm, yeah do we want to go down that route <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like uh, i'm pretty sure everything we've talked about this semester has been against that kind of culture but you know here if he wants to go that route maybe by then it'll be like really good oh okay like their doctrine will just be so <laughs> solid it'll be crazy it'll be crazy y'all want to know what i can't get over sometimes about just the really big celebrity pastors do tell it's it is a specific type of shoe that a lot of them wear. It's not just the shoe game, you know, the whole. Yeah, we all know the preachers sneakers. sneakers. Yeah, it's not that. It is whenever they're wearing like the, um, all times they're like almost Chelsea boot looking things, but it has like a really like skinny, narrow, like pointy mm-hmm. toe. But then their jeans or whatever pants they're wearing are also really skinny, narrow. And so it looks like they're wearing like a little, like an elf outfit almost. <laughs> You know those shoes I'm talking Have you ever seen people wear those before? I don't think so. Yeah, that, I'm, uh, not, I'm not in the boot game very often. It is oftentimes more trendy pastors of sorts that I've seen on like social media. And I'm like, where do y'all get these shoes from? Well, you can't start wearing them because if you start wearing them, then I'm going to have to start wearing them. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't. Eileen is looking up 
What'd I you literally call typed celebrity Chelsea? pastor shoes into Google. Well, it's gonna come I'm up. not getting good stuff. It's a bunch of sneakers. Yeah, I'll probably come up with preachers and sneakers. Wow, okay, okay. Um, That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle that. Yeah, that was a, a complete different day. I took us the wrong way. We'll put them, we'll put oh, them in. Oh, I the, know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. We'll put a picture of of those boots in the show notes for sure. For sure. So With a tag if you want to buy them. Yeah, use, exactly. use my promo code. <laughs> yeah, use the promo. No, stop. We can't even. <laughs> we can't even joke about that. Oh my gosh! And so last week, uh, in our last episode, we we talked about um, what it looks like to start to follow Jesus um, in the context that you're in right now. You know, most of most of these listeners are uh, late teens, early twenties, in college, or kind of that that age trying to follow Jesus in the, in the Midwest or the, or the Bible belt. I know some people fall, fall out of that, but that's like the main, our main viewership. And so we talked about how the first thing you need to realize is that, that you're following something. And so we kind of addressed some of the main idols in, in the culture, some of the, the, the main uh, kind of paths that, that you could follow. Sometimes you like knowingly, sometimes unknowingly. So we talked about, um, the idol of the American dream, but more specifically consumerism, uh, kind of just chasing after comfort and pleasure, uh, romantic relationships, um, success, kind of this idea of, Hey, whenever I get to that next step, I'll finally be satisfied once I graduate. And then once I get married and then once I get this job that I want, and then once I have two and a half kids and then once I retire and then I'll finally have that, the good life. And we tried to expose some of the lies that are in all of those idols and, and the message that the culture kind of tries to, to give to us. And so today now, knowing those idols, we're, we're going to try to address what does it look like to uh, follow Jesus faithfully in a culture that's filled with all of these idols. So what, how, do we, how do we stay kingdom-minded, especially for those that are in college? And so how would, y'all, how would y'all start that? If someone said, hey, how do I faithfully follow Jesus in college. Yeah. The, the idea of, um, kingdom mindedness, like you said, uh, if you grew up in kind of a church tradition of sorts, you probably heard that. Like, what does it mean to be kingdom minded? And, um, that broadly is taken from the fact that Jesus came preaching about the kingdom of God. He's like, Hey, I'm bringing this new, um, way of life that is based under God's rule and reign that is here on, on earth. Um, and then all the, ways that we ought to live because of that. And in the Sermon on the Mount, I always think of the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. for, well, one, for a lot of things, but especially if we're talking about what is the kingdom of God looks yeah. like, that's it, literally Jesus's like ethic. He's like, let me tell you what it looks like specifically. Uh, and within that, he says things like, hey, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other things that he, he's been teaching on and addresses, they'll be added to you. They'll be provided mm-hmm. for you. Um, and so letting that be the foundation of figuring out in college, how do I live in God's kingdom? How do I have a kingdom mindset towards things? Um, acknowledging that it first starts with the fact that 
God has given us a certain type of rule and reign and way of life. Um, and he's also taught us both by verbally explaining, but then also showing us Jesus primarily in the example of his life. Um, and the Sermon on the Mount just happens to be one of the things that he very, very explicitly teaches. Um, and the thing about the Sermon on the Mount is there's a lot of different pieces to it with main points and things that Jesus is trying to drive at. But a lot of them, he's addressing everyday realities of life for the people that he's talking to. Um, he's pulling a lot of it out of the law that was given to Old Testament Israel and the law was all these kind of regulations and ways that you live that involves all parts of your life. And so by nature, he is just starting to describe and explain all these different parts of your life. He talks about relationships with others. He talks about whenever you make commitments to people. He talks about possessions and money and worry in mm -hmm. regards to all of those types of things. Um, and so before you, you really even get into maybe a specific topic, just thinking about this is why we would consider thinking quote unquote kingdom minded towards things. It's because it's the very thing that Jesus taught and preached. It was like one of his main things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think to go along with that, we have to start with the perspective of not thinking about ourselves constantly, rather thinking of the kingdom. And um, what we mean by that is like the, being being others focused in the sense of we want to have the same mindset of Jesus in um, sharing the gospel with people in building up the kingdom of God in um, doing all the things that Jesus taught, like in the Sermon on the Mount, exactly what you're saying. And so I think having to start with that very first like baseline of, okay, my life, if I'm a follower of Jesus, my life is not about me. It is about what the Lord wants from me and, and glorifying him and, um, and being focused on things outside of myself. And so I think that's just an important mindset to have. And we're not going to get there without the Lord. Like, like we cannot strive to be others focused on our own. That is only something that we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so I think starting all of this with just the, with prayer truly and saying, Lord, what does it look like for me to glorify you and have my, life focused on other people, on building up your kingdom, on glorifying you, um, all of these things rather than like thinking of only myself and, and the things that I desire. That's good. And I think it's worth noting, you know, not probably you might be listening and you're like, okay, you're telling me follow, follow Jesus's way instead of my own way. I think it's just worth even just saying explicitly that as, as Christians, we don't, just believe this just because it's like, oh, Jesus said this was what I should do, so I'm going to do it. That's that's part of it. I think there's this obedience that's actually really healthy and good. But God's not just some like, like dictator in heaven that's just like, you do these things because because I said so, right? I think if you had like a pretty harsh harsh dad or mom, like you can kind of feel just like, hey, I, like you obey me because I, because I said so. Like, we also, not only did does Jesus say, hey, come follow me as like a command, but it's also the way that's going to lead to life. We believe, we believe that everyone should be a part of this, that this kingdom mindedness is actually for your good. Like this is the way, if you, if you have a life that's kind of filled with worry and anxiety and constant stress, like this is the way that that leads to 
peace and contentment. If you feel like you're always chasing after the next thing, like this is the way that leads to contentment and satisfaction. And, and when we talk about sin, so often we're like, yeah, you know, don't do those things because God said so. But sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. Mm, okay. And there's a huge difference there. That's not my call. I, <laughs> that was good. That was I good. stole that from somebody. <laughs> um, and so I think I think that's just a, an important foundation to lay. As we're, as we're about to talk about, hey, how does the kingdom of God affect friendships and relationships and possessions and our jobs and our life? If you're in school, like the way that we do college well, like how does how does the kingdom of God affect that? I think it's important to lay the foundation of, hey, we're talking about this because we truly do believe that this is the best way. And so as we're talking about like friendships and relationships and a lot of the Sermon on the Mount and a lot of Jesus's kingdom ethics when it revolves around relationships, it really is this putting other people first. I think it's important, uh, just a total aside here and I'll stop talking, (laughs) but like secular studies now are saying, hey, like we've done research and studies and found that the more you focus on other people, (laughs) the more joy and contentment and satisfaction that you have. And we're we're like, we've been trying to tell you this for so long. And so when we talk about Jesus's kingdom ethic, when we talk about following Jesus, what does that look like for just friendships? Like how, how should a Jesus follower like befriend people? Um, I mean, Philippians two tells us exactly how to do that. (laughs) Um, Philippians two is the, um, the big like pouring out of Christ um, and the, the fancy word is kenosis just because that's just a fun word to say. It's kind of a flex, um, but I'm here for it. Oh, okay. Can you say it three times fast? Kenosis, kenosis, kenosis. <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> that was incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Philippians 2 verse 5 literally says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. And so it's telling us, well, hey, when when we look at our friendships and our relationships with other people, we want to be imitating what Jesus did. And then it goes and it tells us what Jesus did. Um, it says, who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he him, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Um, And I I think the two things that stick out to me most right there in in regards to relationships is that um, he took on the nature of a servant and that he um, humbled himself. And I think when we look at relationship i mean there's there are so many other things within this small passage but i think when we look at relationships and we think about what it looks like to humble ourselves and become a servant man i think okay Ailey, what have you done to care for your friends this week like have you have you been checking in on them if you know um like oh they they have a lot of like tests coming up or um you know so and so is like 
mom is going through it and so have you checked in on them and um you know just what does it look like to care for your friends and and just be mindful of them and and know what's going on in their lives um and then a big part of that is by humbling yourself you know and and remembering um you ain't all that (laughs) and um I, i i think really this is just what the lord's been teaching me recently i don't want to get too off off topic but i think the way that we humble ourselves one is it's only through the Lord, but it's through confession and and recognizing, okay, we are not perfect people and and we mess up and we sin and we walk away from the Lord. And so what does it look like to be practicing confession consistently? Um, and that's my little soapbox on that. But that's the way to hum- humility. And so if we are having the same mindset of Christ in relationships, it's being humble and being mindful of our friends and servant-hearted towards them. Mm-hmm. I will say, Ailey, this last week, did text me and my wife multiple times checking in on our new baby and gave us an entire care package with all these like snacks and goodies and things that you would need uh, with a newborn. And so, I mean, at least from our perspective, that was very, very servant-like. I mean, really, it was selfish humbled. because I wanted pictures of your child. Because you knew we'd talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> it was a bad. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> you knew we'd talk about it on the podcast oh, eventually. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, the um, I think having that foundation for, okay, how do we engage in relationships with others, like friendships like this, of humility, putting others above ourselves, a servant-heartedness, like that permeates all of it. Um, and so whenever you go to like in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, um, Jesus teaches in a section on anger. And the thing that he says about anger is that, hey, if you have done something wrong against your brother, if he's holding something against you because you have like wronged him in some way, um, there's something, there's a reconciliation, some conflict resolution that needs to happen. And you're at the temple offering your gift of sacrifice to God in the first century. Um, leave your gift there and first go and be reconciled to that friend. So go own up for the thing that you did or whatever the conflict is, go resolve it and have that type of restoration of relationship and then come and offer your gift. Uh, And so Jesus is making a point of, hey, in this this context, we're worshiping God by bringing these gifts to the... um, to the altar at the temple, but true, and this is, God says this all over the place, Old Testament, New Testament, true worship of God is how we live. Mm. And one of the main place, or one of the main ways that that gets played out is in relationships with each other. And so not only bring your gift to God at the temple, but bring your gift to God in restoring that relationship Mm. um, and be willing and proactive in doing so, which I think can be something that is really hard, um, especially, I know it was hard for me coming for when I first started following Jesus and I first started to kind of have this community of believers growing around me. All of us were coming from very, like, not Jesus following groups of friends. And so the idea of like proactively and out of humility going and reconciling wrongs done to each other as friends was like not something that happened very often. I mean, y'all have probably experienced like, you know, especially the before following Jesus, like drama and relationships between friends or like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever it is. And it's just like chaos constantly. It's like a freaking MTV show. (laughs) Um, That is like the exact opposite 
of kingdom mindedness. Kingdom mindedness is taking the Philippians two mindset and being willing to go restore that. And then even taking it to maybe a more uncomfortable place. Jesus later on in the Sermon on the Mount talks about how you interact with people who you would consider your enemy. Yeah. Uh, and so, and we actually talked about this in our small group this week and we were, it was, it was almost, it could be hard to really place, okay, for me, what would I consider my enemy mm-hmm. be, for like, especially thinking first century, you know exactly who your enemy is. Rome, Rome. tax collectors. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's obvious for us. There are way there. There are things that we maybe could point to fairly easy. Like if say you hold a really strong political stance, somebody on the other side, maybe you wouldn't, to everybody's face to say they're your enemy, but the way you think about them or mm-hmm. talk about them could be, that's one that's prevalent for us. But even thinking about if somebody wrongs you in some way and hurts you to where you are like bitter, like they're angry. Like you, your reaction is they're dead to me. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm it's just, like, and it, yeah, exactly. And it could be somebody maybe you don't know super well, or maybe you know them really well and it's a really deep wound. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an element of reconciliation that happens there, but even being saying, Hey, Jesus is teaching to love your enemies. And in Luke, he talks about, hey, whenever your enemy hits you on the face, don't don't fight back. Whenever he says, hey, carry carry my pack a mile, offer two. Not, not because he asked you to do two, but so that you bless them. Um, so considering how do I even interact in relationships that maybe I wouldn't consider my closest friendships, but with people who have done something to me or rubbed me the wrong way to where I am proactively blessing them in relationship and not just putting up with them and for sure not retaliating to like give them what they deserve, mm. which I think even if you narrow it down to that specific focus on an individual level, um, that's really hard, really um, difficult. My default for anybody who wrongs me immediately is like either complete. I just, they're discounted from me or they're about to get it. And that's like, <laughs> that is like my just default thought. And it yeah. really takes like, man, I got to capture that thought and choose to obey Jesus in this, have a kingdom mindset and resist that. And then even go as far to bless them in some way. Wow. That's good. And so if we're trying to tie in even some of, some of last week's talk uh, about idols, if, if the, the American culture is, is saying, Hey, when it comes to friendships, like kind of choose what you want, like you can pick, you know, what, like what's going to be best for you? Like what type of people would, would benefit you the most, whether it's because of what they have to offer or their kind of like social status or because y'all think the same way, act the same way. And it's just really easy. The the kingdom of God kind of flips that instead of saying, Hey, who, like what can these friends do for me? It's saying, Hey, what can I, what can I do for my friends? This is this humility. And even in conflict, that humility over pride of saying, you know, our culture is like, Hey, if someone wrongs you either, like you're saying, Jacob, either get them back like eye for an eye or, you know, basically just ignore them for the rest, the rest of your life or pretend like, pretend like nothing happened, but secretly you're just bitter and you're like making comments about them to other people and you're thinking about it and you're stewing on it in person. You might act normal, but like, but you haven't reconciled. So there's that humility. I think another piece of friendships that's so radical for the kingdom of, of heaven is, is the depth. Mm. 
I would say the American culture would say, hey, keep keep most of your friendships very surface level. You know, only put on put on the face that you want them to see. Like, don't let them know you too well. You can have as many friends as you want that only know certain pieces of you, but don't let anyone know you deeply. And, and so I would say we are the most, we're the, the generations that have the most friends in air quotes, mm-hmm. but are the lonely, loneliest and the most isolated. We have the most connections, but we're the, the loneliest generations that's ever existed because we don't have depth. And so this kind of like kingdom mindedness, that humility piece is huge, but also this with, with humility comes this vulnerability, Mm -hmm. this depth to be like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. I want you to know all of me. Isla, you're talking about that confession piece, Mm -hmm. like confessing to not just God, but to other people and saying, Hey, here's, this is who I am. And this is who I'm trying to be. And, you know, I've got a long ways to go, but, but I'm on this journey and, and I need people with me on that journey. I feel like that is so countercultural, uh, where everyone else is just saying like, no, just kind of show people your best side. Mm-hmm. Have y'all seen that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think about the friendships that I had, um, before coming, a be- becoming a believer and after, and, and I mean, I had great friendships before, but what I've found in my friendships with other people who love the Lord is that they have an understanding of grace and mercy that is completely from Jesus. Like, like I am able to see Jesus in my friends in the way that they don't look at me differently when I'm confessing my sins to them. Like when they see me messing up or hurting them or hurting other people or um, just yeah, really struggling or wrestling with things. They see see the bad parts of me. They don't turn the other way or think less of me. Rather, they are are more prone to come alongside me and care for me well and and sharpen me and just really love me through that. And that's something that has just been really different. You know, whenever I started following Jesus, is seeing that and seeing Jesus in those people and. I mean, I just feel like there's this like, oh, I get it. Like we are broken people and we have this mutual hope in this restoration to come when Jesus returns. Mm, that's really good. And so as we kind of talk about, you know, kingdom minded friendships, it kind of, I feel like the question, especially in college, it's because again, we talked about this as as an idol last week, but the question of, well, what about relationships, like dating, romantic relationships, that kind of comes up. So how would you say a follower of Jesus should faithfully pursue a romantic relationship and how is it different than the way the culture does it? The first thing they should do is go listen to our love sex dating <laughs> season. <laughs> it's true. We have um, six, also, six episodes or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting over a cold. Um, but actually, Ali, can you take this for a second? I need to drink yeah. the water. <laughs> I'm losing my voice. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I'm just sitting here and I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, we have so much about caring for people and we, we see marriages within the, the Bible and we see um, a lot on, you know, lust or um, like sexuality and things like that. But I'm trying to think of like like some sort of example but I mean, obviously they didn't have dating back then, right? So it's not like you can you can think of, you know, a star dating couple. So do you think you think we should date? Maybe okay. like okay. do you think it's like <laughs> it's countercultural? People should just get arranged marriages. Is that what you're saying? Josh, why are you asking that question? <laughs> Would it be more faithful to Jesus if we if nobody dated, there's just arranged marriages? Um n- no no. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to think about it like that. <laughs> it's kind of a joke. No, Ali's questioning. Now I'm questioning everything. I'm going with no, 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 I don't think so. I think it's just a cultural thing, and there are ways that you can reflect biblical principles dependent upon your culture. And mm. so thinking about that specifically, okay, if I'm in a dating relationship, how can I have this kingdom mindset with this other person? One, I think it just goes back to the similar principles with the friendship of caring for them well and recognizing, hey, I'm not married to this person, therefore I'm not going to be treating them like I'm married with them. So I'm going to have um, purity in, in my thoughts in this relationship with them. Like I'm, I'm not going to be sleeping with them or doing things that are set aside for marriage biblically, you know, like I, I'm going to be, um, loving them well in the way that I talk about them to other people too. Um, and, and I think that goes with friendships, you know, like, like there's confidentiality that you have when someone is, is sharing things with you and you, um, like you're not going to go and share that with everyone in the world, you know? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think there are a lot of similarities with with friendships and dating relationships. What do you guys think? No, I I agree. I think the big one is actually the like humility and servant-hearted piece. Mm-hmm. I would say the majority, like the vast majority of problems that Christians have in relationships, like we have these conversations with students all the time where it's like I messed up or I did this or this mm-hmm. and and you're kind of counseling them the vast majority of them are because they were seeking their own pleasure Mm -hmm. and not seeking to honor the other person. And so like the same principles for friendship can be applied to dating as well. If throughout your entire dating relationship and engagement, and then even into marriage, if you're continually thinking about how can I serve and honor the other person, you're going to avoid a lot of pitfalls and a lot of sin and it, honestly a lot of a lot of conflict as well mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i mean ephesians talks about that the mutual yielding and submission to one another mm-hmm. that's like the heart of that and so i always think like broad categories for dating kingdom mindedness pursuing romantic relationships is what josh what you just said which is the putting others above yourself which leads you away from so many things that can destroy relationships I think of all of the commands to literally flee sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount with lust says, it's better to rip out your eye and cut off your hand than to fall into this. He's like, it's a stark warning. So to be sober-minded with that as well. And then also to pursue people who have these same values. Mm-hmm. It's the character piece. If you're pursuing someone who's on the same page as these other two things, then y'all are going to be 
doing that together and it's probably going to work out really well. So if you just think of those three things, that's a very kingdom minded, like romantic relationships framework to think about. Yeah, I think that's good. And to kind of tie the two together, the friendships and the romantic relationships together, if you don't have these kind of deep friendships that we're talking about right now, where, where like y'all are seeking to, to honor each other, that someone knows you deeply, that you can feel like vulnerable with, if you don't have someone like that of, of the same sex, then I would strongly warn you from pursuing a romantic relationship yet. I think it's so important to have these deep friendships before you start to pursue romantic relationships. That might be kind of like a hot take. I don't have like a Bible verse that points you to for that. But one of the one of the kind of like advice and wisdom we give gave in the Love, Sex and Dating podcast this summer was the importance of community when it comes to dating. Like you need people around you that that know you well. I actually had a, a guy talk to me this summer. It was like, hey, I'm thinking about the future and and proposing and, and what that looks like. And the first question I asked was, okay, what do your friends think about her? Mm. And his honest response was, well, they don't really know her. Mm. Well, I said, well, then you probably need to take a whole semester like bringing her around your friends and having them get to know her well and, and have them see you two together yeah. before you even start thinking about the future. And again, that comes with that, that vulnerability piece. Like we talked about with friendships, people need to know, like know the good, the bad and the ugly. And so anything y'all, y'all would add to that? Um, I firmly agree. I think it's really easy to fall into the grasp of codependency and um, just idolizing someone or putting them in the place of Jesus um, that you're dating when you don't have a solid community surrounding you or just a solid base of people. Like, like just in general, you never want to have one person in your life that is your everything. Like, okay, well, like... With Jesus marriage, is okay. my everything. Okay, yes, obviously. But like... With your friendships, like you don't want only one person in your life that's supporting you. Like you want to have community and, and multiple people that you can go to with things that will support you and speak into your life and hold you accountable and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it's important to have those friendships um, before you, you know, seek out just one individual relationship with someone because, yeah, you need that you need those voices speaking into it. And that's not a hill I'm, I'm willing right, to die. Right. And that's more of just like, Hey, I think maybe good wisdom for you. And so to summarize, when it comes to being kingdom minded, especially for those of y'all living in the Bible belt in college, uh, when it comes to friendships, this idea of being, being a servant, it's, it's completely countercultural. Instead of thinking, Hey, what can they offer me? Hey, how can I love them and serve them? And maybe even thinking, this is just a hot take, thinking through the lens of, hey, do all of my friends look like me, talk like me, act like me? And, and if so, like, is that, is that kingdom-minded? Because Ooh. the kingdom of heaven is going to be very, very diverse. 
And we're not just talking like ethnically, we're talking about, you know, politically, we're talking about socially, we're talking about um, like uh, socioeconomic, everything, the way we look, the way we talk, the way we act. It's going to be so different. And there's actually, there's actually tremendous fruit when we surround ourselves with people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who don't talk like us, who maybe don't even believe the same things we do when it comes to politics or, or that. That's just a hot take. But I think we're actually doing ourselves a disservice when we surround ourselves with like an echo chamber because then we just think, oh, my, everyone must believe the exact same political beliefs or whatever that, that I do. And so surrounding ourselves with, with people um, from all sorts of different backgrounds, I think is actually in the long run going to, to help us grow and to, to look more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so this servant hearted piece and this humility piece, if y'all can get that down, um, you would start to, you'll start to look more like Jesus in, in the context that you're in and you'll start to push against the, the idols of the culture. And so next week today was just about friendships and relationships. Next week, we're going to talk about, uh, what does it look like to be kingdom minded when it comes to money, possessions, social life, uh, like the future, all of those things that you're probably thinking about in college that will be coming next week. And so until then, grace and peace. peace.